everybody, Art Barter with Servant Leadership Institute, uh, another podcast for you today. Today we have uh, Ted Owens with us here in the studio. Uh, Ted, welcome. Glad to have you here. Thank you very much, uh, Art, for being uh, inviting me. I look forward to it. Yeah, we, we too. Um, Ted is the CEO of the chamber here in Carlsbad, uh, California, where I live and work, and uh, uh, he's got some uh, interesting stories, but uh, Ted, why don't you, before we get into some of the stories, why don't we you tell uh, the folks a little bit about yourself? Uh, pre pre chamber pre chamber. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> well, I try to make this as painless as I can. I joined the Marines uh, right after the Korean War. I was 17 years old. Spent 22 years in the Marines, deciding whether I wanted to stay in the Marines or not. 17. Uh, yeah, I was 17. Oh. Uh, so I left my home when I was 17. I have not been home. In other words, I've always been employed. Um, so I spent 22 years in the Marines, and what I discovered in the Marines is similar to business. The more you know and the more you learn, the better you are and the better you perform. So every time I went, was given an opportunity to go to a military school, I went. Mm-hmm. And every time I went and graduated, they promoted you. Mm-hmm. The more you get promoted, the more you get uh, money, your pay goes up. And uh, thirdly, the Marine Corps is, uh, for those who have served in the Marines, know it as the Mickey Mouse service of the world. Mm. They have more nonsensical little regulations, like you can't put your hands in your pockets, if you can only chew gum when you're jumping out of an airplane, uh-huh. all these crazy little things. If you want to avoid Mickey Mouse rules, you become Mickey Mouse. I got you, okay, So all the right. more rank you get, the more mouse you get. Yeah, got you. So somebody's gotta scrape the gum off the sidewalk, but you'd rather be the guy that makes the list of those people. Yeah. And so uh, I went to nine military schools, the reason I went to so many is uh, what I did in high school was the most relevant thing I ever did in high school besides graduate. I went to typing school and I learned how to type really? because there were 33 girls and no men. Uh-huh. I thought this was a great place for me. But I remembered how to type so when the military asks you for a, to be a student at a school you may be qualified unless you can't type. If you can't type, you're not going. Oh, really? So every time I would compete with somebody, my tiebreaker was I could type. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you graduate, that's that's good too. So I went to nine military schools, uh, went to the, took the GI Bill when I was on active duty, went to three college degrees at night for oh, 12 great. years. I um, left the service in 1981, joined the San Diego Chamber as a lobbyist for defense. Mm-hmm. I uh, was there for three and a half years. I got recruited by a headhunter to run uh, what was in the San Diego Business Journal, which was uh, turned out to be a four-newspaper uh, company. Mm-hmm. We had 525,000 business readers in four cities, Los Angeles, uh, Orange County, San Diego, and San Bernardino Valley. And then in 2004, a friend of mine called me and said, hey, the chamber executive in Carlsbad is leaving, and we really need somebody to turn the chamber into a business and we heard through the rumors that you're going to retire from the business journal which I was I was 63 years old uh-huh so I took the job for a year and I've been there 14 14 years. right yeah your yeah. 14th year yeah so the chamber just a thumbnail the chamber is uh, there are 42 chambers in the county of San Diego mm-hmm. 900 in California so we are the 10th largest in the state and the second largest in the San Diego County oh that's cool and um, we serve 90,000 employees with 1,600 member companies. 
and my job is to create and maintain the economy yeah. for our members. You in that 14-year period, you've seen some amazing changes in Carlsbad in the yeah, business sure community, have. haven't you? Yeah. When I went there, we had 4,000 acres of empty land. We now have 400. Right. Yep. We didn't have under our control the largest desalinization plant in the universe. Mm -hmm. 50 million gallons of water a day. When that plant started its planning process and approval process, it took 14 years to get it approved. Um, the plant was originally going to cost 230 million. When it finally got approved and opened, it was 1.2 billion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I testified 27 times before the PUC, the Water Authority, the Coastal Commission. It seemed like I was an employee of the government instead of an employee of my members. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> at the current time, Carlsbad is, there's 23 cities in the county of San Diego. We're the third wealthiest, and they determine wealth in a city by the number of, or not the number, but the median income of two working adults. So for the county of San Diego as a whole, it's right under 50,000 for two adults in the same family. Mm -hmm. Del Mar, which is number one, is 120,000 in that category. Okay. Solana Beach is 118, and we're at 112. All right, gotcha, gotcha. So against 50, we're at 112. Yep. 57% of our residents of 120,000 residents are college graduates, mm -hmm. not attendees. It's 81% white, and they make $120,000 minimum. Mm -hmm. Um, so they know what they want. They want it when they want it. <laughs> they're they're going to support you if you do that. Yeah. We have uh, the second largest TOT tax payments in the county of $18 million just from our hotels. Uh -huh. We have $150 million in the general fund reserve. We're currently building six hotels, 37 units of housing, and 15 restaurants. They're going up cra like crazy. They're yeah. big, big construction everywhere yeah, in Carlsbad right now. It looks like China with all these Yeah, everything trainings. going up. Yeah, yeah. 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 So there's no shortage. My job is to be an advocate. So if, if Daytron, which is a member, buys a new building and want a certain kind of signage or street naming or whatever, and you get the proverbial, we'd like to help you, but not lately or not soon, then it's my job to change that. Yeah, yeah. Ted mentioned Daytron. Daytron's the parent company of Servant Leadership Institute, and uh, I'm the president and CEO, and that's, that's most of the time when Ted and I interact, it's, it's related to, to Daytron. Sometimes with leadership, but, but mostly with the radio company. I right? like the better name is Daytron World Communications. Communications yeah, thank you. I think you. that's yeah. like Disney World or something. Uh-huh, like yeah. <laughs> that's pretty impressive. Well, that's great. Um, uh, the largest employer in Carlsbad, I think, is Viasat. Viasat and Fisher. And Fisher, okay, that's right, that's right. And um, Viasat's growing by what you preferred... When you took over the, uh, the reins of Daytron and actually made the acquisition and took over the company, <clears throat> you were sort of on a wing and a prayer. You knew you could do it, but you knew mm -hmm. the odds were against you. Yep. Viasat decided that there were so many people in the world that were not our, ever allowed to be on the internet. First of all, anyone listening to this broadcast would never in a million years say they never heard of the internet or been on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there are millions of people who have never been on the internet, even in our own country. There are, yep. So there are no cell sites in South Dakota, let's say. Mm -hmm. Well, they, Viasat decided to build a satellite for $800 million mm -hmm. to put in the sky to go to everybody who wanted to be on the internet, including on an airplane. They were so successful when they got the thing up in the air, they built it in one of the Stan countries that used to be Russia, Pakistan or Pakistan or one of those. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> they were so successful they couldn't sell internet time fast enough. 
So they bought a sales company in Colorado just to sell their site. Mm -hmm. They were so successful, they've just launched their second. They're now building their right. third. Yep. They just went over a billion dollars in revenue. And much like your dilemma years ago, you were leasing buildings. Right. Mm -hmm. Your landlord thought, gee, they're pretty successful. We don't charge them enough. Mm -hmm. And so you were forced to look elsewhere for, for sites, for your plants, yep. your, your facility. Viasat was told the same thing. They had seven buildings. Mm -hmm. They controlled all but one of the eight in this in this block. The landlord, when they went over a billion, hit them a hundred percent increase in rent. Mm -hmm. And the CEO said, "If I didn't have all this work on my desk, I'd move." Mm -hmm. So instead of moving, they bought all the land across the street and they're building their own. They're site. building like crazy right now. Yeah, yeah so exactly. So they'll have eleven buildings, fourteen thousand employees. Yeah, not all here yep. in Carlsbad, but. In the company, they're just like you. You weren't mm -hmm. fourteen. You weren't thousands of employees when you bought no, the company. No, no, you knew uh, you could be. Yep. So, so you mentioned this morning before we before we started recording uh, that your day started at like five thirty this morning. Yeah. Uh, with some veterans. Yeah, I get um, up every morning at three fifteen. Uh huh. I leave the house at four thirty, and I eat at a restaurant, uh, International House of Pancakes, that because it's open twenty four hours. Uh huh. And there's this conglomeration of veterans who continues to go there. I think when one goes, they tell somebody, and pretty soon, there were 11 of us this morning. Nine of them were unemployed. Mm -hmm. um, some have been employed, but most of them are not employed. And so it's just a matter of sitting around and listening to somebody talk who's employed. Mm -hmm. In other words, I can tell you what happens at the water cooler, and they don't know what the water cooler even looks like. Right, right. Because they never been to one. Mm -hmm. And then there's some of them who are just very happy being unemployed mm -hmm. or even living on the street if that were the, we have one who lives on the street and he says I like living on the street. I said my idea of camping out is an unair conditioned hotel. I'm not going to live on the street mm -hmm. <laughs> if I don't have to. Mm -hmm. Then I had a 7.30 meeting with my board of directors which is every third Wednesday and I'm here today with you and then I'll be going to La Jolla and coming back from La Jolla to uh, Carlsbad and then go home about 6 o'clock. And you were going to retire back in 2004, weren't you? I was going to retire, retire after one yeah. year. <laughs> and we had a chamber of commerce that was going in reverse. Mm -hmm. It was a pretty good-sized chamber, over a 1,000 members, but <clears throat> the relationship with the city administration was zero. Mm -hmm. And everybody who's, anybody that's ever been in business knows that Government, while it creates lots of obstacles and hurdles, is something you can't really afford to ignore. They, mm -hmm. they have a system, and you've got to adhere to it. And you've paid millions of dollars for fees and applications and things that keep people employed in the government. So they needed somebody that could get things done. I have not lost an issue before the city council of Carlsbad in 14 years. Wow. Ever. That's great. But I don't take them things that are stupid. When mm -hmm. they call us, we help them. The bottom line is we have the same intent in life as they do. They don't get elected if the economy stinks. Right. I can't keep members if we don't keep our members' uh, businesses running. Mm -hmm. And when you look at 90% of our businesses are small, what is a small business? Well, it's under 25 employees, under 50, depending on what government agency you're talking about. In our case, it's under 10. Mm -hmm. So we have 200, 300 good-sized businesses, and everybody else is under 25 employees. Mm -hmm. New restaurant opened yesterday morning in the village. 
small restaurant to most mm-hmm. standards. Mm-hmm. Have seventy-five employees. Seventy-five. Wow. A restaurant. Yeah. You think it's a cook, a dishwasher, a busboy, and two waitresses? No, mm-hmm. there's seventy-five employees there. Mm-hmm. But it's a small business. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now you've got a heart for the small business. Uh, especially in hard times, you've got some theory about what, what your role is in the chamber during tough times. Talk about that a little bit for us. Well, my story about success for businesses is the same as success for people, which is something I've gradually been learning from you, actually. No. <coughs> the, uh, the weight of people's hearts in many cases is through the acceptance of them by you, so that when they're trying their best and going up above and beyond their call of duty in their job. They know that somebody cares. Harvard did a study of 40,000 employees. Mm-hmm. What do you think 57% of them wanted out of work? 57% of the 40,000 wanted the same thing. Recognition by their supervisor that what they do counts. Yes, yeah. Not executive bathrooms, parking spaces, or more money. Right. They wanted somebody to say, way to go, Ted. Mm-hmm. Way to go, Art. Way to go, Bob. Way to go. Um, my wife oftentimes will ask me when I go home what I did for the day, and I'll tell her, and she'll say, why do you meet so long with these people that, are, that are, don't even have a company or they're barely struggling? I said, because somebody has to listen to them, mm-hmm. and somebody has to give them the obvious. We teach networking. Yes. We'll have 250 people. You were a speaker at one of yeah, those. Yeah, and, and you busted my chop at the last one because I didn't bring a business card. Well, yeah. see? <laughs> now, you're an established business, but a person yeah. starting out going to a network training co- concept without a business card is like going to school without your pen you can't take notes so so I tell my wife uh, you, you talk to them and you listen to them and you try to help them through the obvious mm-hmm. the things that we see automatically that they overlook and she say well what do you get out of that and I say I get out of that when I walk them to the door of our building and they leave to go get in their car at some point from the departure from our building to their car they will stop, turn around, and wave or smile. Right. You don't need any more compensation. Exactly. Than exactly. That. Yeah. Yeah. And when a person's unemployed, just listening to them is reward mm-hmm. because somebody really cares enough about them to spend an hour or two with them. Right. And again, giving them ideas and hooking them up with people. We can speak maybe if there's time on our military mentoring initiative and how. We wouldn't have even had that program if it wasn't for Daytron. Talk, talk a little bit about that program because it, it, it's, you have a special tie to the military because of your experience, but you also spent time on Camp Pendleton. I do. Right? And I so that you still have a community here with Fish that. Fish fries so. on Wednesday, catfish. Fish, uh, catfish? Uh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> um, we have a relationship with the military, and uh, the commanding general at the time uh, we started our program uh, t- bases typically have one and two star generals, and the overall kahunas of the Marines are four stars. Mm-hmm. There's usually used to be two, now there's have as many as five with these various Southern Command and what have you. Chief Joint Chairman, Joint Chiefs of Staff is a Marine for the first time. Anyway, they're always charged with retention. Mm-hmm. So I have 20,000 Marines, and my retention rate's 81%. That's not good enough. The Commandant wants it to be 100%, which is a false expectation. Mm-hmm. So they're always looking for ways to help the Marines who are leaving the service. They think they have programs to keep them, and they do have good programs, bonuses and different kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But those who leave, so Camp Pendleton has 65,000 employees, both civilian and military. 8,000 Marines a year 
get out of the Marines in just Camp Pendleton. Eight thousand, just Camp Pendleton. Thousand, just Camp Pendleton. And for those listening, Camp Pendleton is is in North San Diego. One hundred ninety-six square miles, one hundred twenty-five thousand right. acres, biggest amphibious training base in the world. So here you have eight thousand guys and gals getting out of the service who don't even focus on their getting out until they're faced with the dilemma that it's next month or next week. Most of them joined after 9-11 for the patriotism side of defending their country for future. Most of them were single, now they're married, they have one and a half kids. Uh Um, Their wife reminds them constantly they're getting out of the service, but they just kind of ignore it. All of a sudden, they're out. So the general says to me at lunch, are there programs where we can work with the business community to get some of these kids hired? Mm -hmm. Because they have great skills and they have, matter of fact, we made a page of the skills a military person brings to the civilian workforce. It's pretty amazing. But you can imagine working for less money, working unsupervised, arduous conditions, long work hours, Mm -hmm. not afraid of a challenge, mission accomplishment, respectful, leadership oriented, there's just a little bit. There's a million programs for the unemployed, whether it's military or homeless or really, it doesn't matter. Uh, Wounded Warrior name is used by just about everybody. We decided that we would work on an internship program. Now there's an interns, I have interns in my company. Uh, They're college students and high school seniors who are doing community service and Mm -hmm. give them, Mm -hmm. We needed to give them an opportunity to have a living resume. So a living resume is your HR department gets 20 resumes a week or a day looking for work at this company. Mm-hmm. And it's a paper shuffling process. You you put the order down through the network of people. Yep. You need six people in manufacturing, you're gonna get 600 uh, resumes. Yep. But it's a piece of paper. So what would happen if they could actually meet? Well, the HR department says, we're not gonna meet 8,000 people a year. What are you, crazy? We said, no, we want you to meet only the elite. Mm-hmm. And the elite is, in our mind, everybody who's getting out, but we didn't tell the HR people. Yeah, that. yeah, exactly. So <laughs> we had to make sure that the Marine Corps side of the equation was they only gave us good people. Not guys that were getting out for, at the moment, at that time in space, PTSD or court marshals waiting. We didn't want any of that mm-hmm. because to make the program successful, we had to give civilian companies to help us mm-hmm. by giving the internships up for 30 days at a time. Right and not ruin it with a guy with a bad attitude when he got in there because he didn't care for some part of the company. Mm-hmm. So we had to recruit 150 companies that would give us interns for up to 30 days at a time, intern slots for them. So each of the Marines who went through our program was allowed to fill out a, here's what I'd like to do when I grow up list. And they could, we at first didn't give them any number. We could just put down what you want to be. It could be six, seven different kinds of things. Well, we were running around like, chickens with our heads cut off trying to find companies that met some guy's desire to be a blacksmith. Uh We didn't have any blacksmith members, so we had to go find one. Anyway, we limited it to three, eventually. Marine Corps gave us people, in the Marine Corps they rate you from the rank of corporal and below on a numbering system. So the worst person is a 1-0 and the best person is a 5-0, so between one and five. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't accept anybody in our program that was not at least 3.0, which is above average guy or gal. Then we had to come and we had to do two things. We had to get a leader, a company with leadership skills that also had a viable connection to the military some way. Mm -hmm. And then we needed to find companies that would donate to the cause of us hiring a person to do all this work. It's not as easy as it sounds just to call up company A, like they try to say, can you take this guy for 30 days? What Mm -hmm. are you, crazy? 
what are you going to do with him for 30 days? Well, first of all, you didn't have to pay him because he drew his, he was assigned to us by order. So he had his own pay, his own health plan. Mm -hmm. The only thing he had to do is give him a job as an intern, let him test drive the job in your company. So if he wanted to be a manufacturing accountant and he came to you, you put him in your accounting yep. department yep. for 30 days, mm -hmm. up to 30, it didn't have to be 30. Mm -hmm. First kid we did with beta test was a kid who wanted to who wanted to be an accountant. His parents were both CPAs. And so he had already enrolled at Cal State, but he had not been to a class. We put him in Tri-City Hospital's accounting department. Uh -huh. He called me the next day, and he said, Mr. Owen, if I got to do accounting all my life, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> <It> took him <laughs> one day, so huh? Yeah, one yeah, day. One day. <laughs> and he said, uh, but there are some things at the hospital that interest me. Make a long story short, already too long. He, f he sat through for 30 days. 17 jobs. 17 different jobs. 17 yep. different jobs from security, and he ended up liking the most was the part of it where, um, what do you call it when you work on people's breathing? Respiratory therapy. Oh, yeah, therapy. Yeah. He mm -hmm. liked respiratory therapy. He had been wounded in uh, Afghanistan, and he, anybody who goes to a hospital sees a respiratory therapist. Mm -hmm. And he liked that because it was variable every day, different people, and, you, and they pay well, but he had no training. Yeah. So we brought him back, we enrolled him in uh, a trade school for a year, he used his GI Bill, got his credential while he was going through the school, Tri-City hired him as an intern because he had a good attitude, mm -hmm. he worked nights, got his degree, got a job for $86,000 a year. That is school. great, yep. But it was a test driving of the job, and the reason that he was hired was because they had a chance to get to know each other, both right. the company and him. Right. So when we approached Atron and said, would you participate in the program, not financially at first, mm -hmm. just in the program. You didn't have to pay him, you didn't have to provide him health care. we had a whole harmless agreement. Mm -hmm. And if neither one of the sides, yours or him, did not like it, you could leave, but you did not, under any conditions, have to offer a job. Mm -hmm. We put 255 Marines through the program, 62% of them got jobs, 36% yeah. of them went to college, the other 3% are wandering around somewhere. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. That's fantastic. But it's, we didn't create a new format. We created an opportunity for a living resume. Exactly. Yep. And the other thing we asked Datron and all the other companies to do was to help them with their resume once they saw it. Mm -hmm. Well, your resume is great, but you never would have got in here with this resume. Yeah, give Here's what your feedback. resume needs exactly. to say. Yep. Here's what your letter of introduction needs to say. Mm -hmm. And for those kids who didn't like Datron or any other company, we just kept putting them in companies. Mm -hmm. We actually did, we offered it to dependents too. We gave three wives, got three wives hired. Um, the officers, most of these were enlisted kids. The officers pretty much had an idea what they wanted to do. Sure. Um, so start a company, be an yeah, interpreter yeah, or whatever they wanted yeah. to do. So then we had to have money. It was costing us $100,000 a year to run the program because we had to pay a person, we had to do all the materials, we had to do all the legwork. So I had to raise the money. And then of course for a chamber, I'm always raising money because that's what- Sure, yeah, yeah, saying. exactly. So I came to you and a couple of your senior people and mm -hmm. said, would you consider a contribution? Because one of the hallmarks of your company is how much you give back to the community. Mm -hmm. And so surprising to me, you gave us a very nice grant and you did that for three years. Mm -hmm. And uh, Actually, we'd probably still be doing it, and you'd still be doing it, but I didn't have the nerve to ask you the fourth year, because <laughs> there should have been an opportunity where yeah. more and more companies were spreading that. Mm -hmm. And while you give a lot of money to communities and community events, you have a lot of communities and community events that are asking for money, and they're not all military-oriented. Yeah. Um, 
But for those young Marines uh, that we helped, whether they're still working or not, I don't know, we had a follow-up for about a year. But after they're out and they don't have any relationship with you, the wives and the, and the young men that we got hired were just, they were almost in tears when they left because they were so afraid of the civilian environment. The, the Afghans and the snipers, they didn't care about IEDs yeah, yeah. and that crap. They were fearless. Facing an HR manager was a nightmare. Nightmare, right. Yep. I got to sit down and write a resume. I have to get an interview. I have to go through all that stuff. And They didn't have suits yeah. and ties. They didn't yeah. even know what to wear to an interview yeah. or what to say. Mm -hmm. They just said yes, sir, to everything, got their hair cut short. Yeah. Said I'm ready. What's neat about that story is the general cared about the people who were leaving. Right? It didn't stop at the time their enlistment Marines for ended. Life. Marines They're for Marines life. for life. So he cared about them after yeah. they left. And then you guys helped them find their gifts. Is really what you did. You put them in an environment. Try this. Try that. Try this. When they found something they liked, then you took them to the next step. And that's exactly, you know, what we like to talk about. Sort of meet people where they are. Yeah. Well, 50 percent of them, them thought they wanted to do something that it turns out they hated after they were exposed to it. It sounded kind of sexy. Uh -huh. And of course, the kid with the accounting story, his parents were accountants. That's all they talked about as he grew up. Mm -hmm. Well, you got to have a fondness for numbers and accounting to be an accountant. Yeah, that's that right. Wasn't, yep. That wasn't his thing. You know, he had three martial arts degrees. He'd been wounded twice. Uh -huh. He was a Bronze Star winner. He'd been in a sniper squad. That's not an accountant's background. That last thing you want to do is go balance accounts every day, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now you can make him a bill collector. Yeah. We will pay. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Um, you have given me two $2 bills. Yes, I have. Uh, with a little heart stamp on them. Yeah. Sh share, share with our folks that are listening your, uh, I call it the $2 program. I think you have a different name for it, I think. But share, share with us your program. Well, one of the things that uh, I'm a type A, as you can tell from all this rattling on, I'm a type A Gemini personality. So there's two, of, two sides to me. Mm -hmm. The side that's not as good as the other side is the forget-a-lot-of-stuff side. I realize that when I get a note of thanks from somebody, I'm very appreciative. And I know that my employees or people that I'm on committees with, and they, they appreciate it too. Mm -hmm. I can't always remember to do it because things, circumstances take mm -hmm. over. Mm -hmm. So I met a guy from Kentucky <clears throat> who was a professional speaker. And he and I were on the same speaking event. He used to get $50 and $1 bills at his bank, new ones, go to a printer who would put a cardboard back on them, put rubber cement on them, make a packet of $1 bills. Uh -huh. He would carry them in his pocket. And when he gave speeches, he asked questions. If you got the right answer, he gave you a dollar. Mm -hmm. And he told you that as the beginning of the thing, because on the dollar it says, I love your attitude. It's a little hard. So the participation in the Q&A picked up 100%. 100%, yeah, sure. He's yep. walking around with his pack in his hand, and he'd yep. say, and he'd give him a dollar. So uh, I said, gee, this can be uh, polished up a little bit. And for guys like me who want to give notes who don't, I still give them. Mm -hmm. um, but I get to work at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning every morning, and my employees get there at 8.30. Right. So if I've been tracking what somebody's doing, I just put one of these on their chair. Mm -hmm. all over the office. Maybe it's only one, maybe it's 10 people. And the, f the thing that inspires me, it inspires them, of course, but it inspires me is they don't know why they got it. Mm -hmm. Unless it was just a rare uh, circumstance. 
So I give it to them and they get there at 8.30. By 10 o'clock, before 10 o'clock every morning, they will come by and stand outside my door and they'll go, what I do? All right, yeah, I wanna know why, yep, yep. And my answer is always the same. Sustained superior performance, rates recognition. And I think you're doing a hell of a good job and I just need to tell you that. Mm -hmm. So now in my office, if you walk around, every employee has at least a dozen of these on the wall with a map tack. I have one with 70 of these. That's cool. So when our company doubled its budget and we did such a good job, I switched to two dollar bills. I figured, hey, the economy is strong. We went from a one dollar bill to a two dollar bill. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The thing about a two dollar bill is 90% of the people I give them to have never seen one. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not a general circulation dollar. But the thing is, I give them to waiters and people who open the door for old ladies. I give them to all kinds of people. I've probably given away $10,000 in these things. But when I go to a dinner at a restaurant or a banquet at a hotel, mm -hmm. uh, waitress, they, get, they work at all the hotels. I don't just work at one. They'll come up and say, oh, Mr. Owen, it's so nice to see you today. Would you like your iced tea with no lemon? And I still have my dollar. Yeah. Because what I tell them is, I turn it upside down and I turn and I say, look, <clears throat> today is our lucky day. We met each other. So luck always brings more luck. So if you take this dollar, put it in your wallet, and never spend it, you'll never be broke. And what I think about you is on the other side. There you go. The smile is bigger than their body because no one ever asked their name, no one ever said they did a good job, yep. and nobody cared a hoot about them. But the pride of getting it is, because uh, I'm gonna give you one, see? Uh. The pride of doing it is important to people. It is, yeah. And uh, it's an easy way to not forget you gotta give a letter to somebody. And for those listening, I have my $2 bill in front of me. I keep it here on my desk uh, at work, and I have another $2 bill on my desk at home because you give me two. That's so, right. Um, uh, it works even for guys that, might, you know, that are running companies. We, we like that you know, we like that little pat on the back, and so it, it means a lot. So, uh, the shortest distance between two people is a smile. Is a smile. Mm -hmm. And if you can get them to smile once in a while, it makes the day bearable. When the sun is out, we drive better on the freeway. Yeah. If it's raining, we're mad, we're angry, we're honking our horn. Mm -hmm. The little things are what make our lives worth uh, it is. up with. Yeah, I agree, I agree. So you, you've uh, uh, 14 years in the chamber. What, what has been your biggest challenge uh, in the chamber um, that, that you've faced? Changing the city of Carlsbad from a government agency to a business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How long did that take you? <clears throat> I just finished it. Just done? Day. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> The city had a city manager and two assistant city managers, and they were mm -hmm. always looking for an assistant city manager. They churning them around. We suggested that the city manager should be the CEO of the city of Carlsbad. The council and the mayor should be the board of directors. The mayor should be the chairman of the board. Mm -hmm. And that everybody else under which should be a corporate officer. So if you're an assistant city manager, you'd be an executive vice president or whatever, but the thinking. So... They just hired their first chief operating officer, mm -hmm. which you've had a number of. Right. So we have a city manager who is the CEO. He has a chief operating officer, a young lady of 20 years of experience. And she has an assistant city manager who is a vice president that works for her. Mm -hmm. She's responsible for all 800 employees, only four people she's not responsible for. Police chief, fire chief, city manager, city attorney. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. Everybody else works for her. For, yep. Mm -hmm. And then the council is the ultimate boss for everybody. Yeah. So converting them into business thinking is difficult. It's difficult, right, right, yeah. Because they fear it, which is my favorite word. Yeah. 
You didn't uh, ask me about that, but fear stands for false evidence appearing real. Yes, yes. And the more you believe something's going to happen, it will. Yep. And the more you want something to happen, it probably will. Mm -hmm. But fear is a moderator of our our whole life, good and bad. I know if I walk out here and step in front of an 18-wheeler truck and it hits me, I'm probably not going to do that again because mm -hmm. I ain't going to be around. Right, yeah, yeah. So the fear of getting killed stops me from running across the street and getting killed. Yeah. The fear of not being able to succeed. I've taken jobs, art. I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Mm -hmm. The difference between me and other people is I'm not afraid to ask somebody who does it well how they do it well. Mm -hmm. And people can't put their egos aside to do that. They're not going to be successful. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I couldn't say it better. The ego, and we all have one, you got to set sure. it aside and, and do what's best for people and not what's best for you yeah. and your ego. Yeah, yeah. What, uh, what has been your biggest surprise on the positive side after you took the, the job as the, as the CEO at the chamber? It didn't turn out to be as hard as I thought to convert them mm -hmm. to business thinking. You had to prove it. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of statistics and studies. Harvard's 40,000 people, 57%. There's all kinds. <clears throat> it's once they get past the hurdle of fear, they see it and the momentum grows and they hire the kind of people that think like that. So the other day we had a customer going up for a distillery license and we'd never had a distillery in the city of Carlsbad and we still don't. He didn't get approved. Mm -hmm. It was a two to two tie amongst the council. Mayor couldn't vote because he owned the building. Mm -hmm. Uh, so a two-to-two two tie is a zero, no, because you have to be a majority. Mm -hmm. Instead of just telling him no, which they did, the staff then got together with him before he left the council and said, we're going to meet tomorrow, and we're going to come up with a set of regulations that allows distilleries someplace in Carlsbad if it's existable, mm -hmm. and we'll get back to you and you can recommit. Yeah, yeah. They didn't have to do that. Mm -hmm. They could have just said no, which is what most cities do. Right. But they decided to take it further. We had a company that sold guns over the internet, very viable business, had all kind of permits. They wanted to operate a gun range. Mm -hmm. I remember, yeah. <coughs> yeah. Was, yeah. Is that Gunther's? Gunther Guns. Yeah, oh yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. There was no ordinance for Gunther Guns, so they came through and they were denied. And we helped them, and we talked to the city, and he said, well, if you're denying them because there's no zone law permit, that's one thing, but then look and see if they can't be created because eventually time will tell that the gun ranges and mm -hmm. internet, you know, different kinds of things happen. So they found a set of regulations, wrote them, found sites that worked, and Gunther now is an operating gun range. Yeah, yeah. That's I've the difference between Carlsbad and other cities who don't have $150 million in the general fund reserve. So your 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 effort there has paid off. I have a little story. A lot of people's with, efforts, with, with not the, just mine. With the building that we have over in Carlsbad, is I had a, a large pipe burst because of an accident up the street. Somebody ran over a, a fire hydrant. And it was the uh, FedR fire system, and a great big pipe, and it had like a six, eight inch hole in it. And it flooded my entire first floor, entire oh. first floor. And we had guys out there that, the day it happened, they're digging. They get to the point and go, you know what, we need we need the okay from all the utilities before we start digging around this thing to go very far. And they said, it's gonna be at least a week. And I said, you guys, just hold on for a minute. Let me make a phone call. And so I called Mayor Matt Hall and I said, Matt, I, I need a favor. I need your help. Will you help me get this thing so we can start digging no later than Monday? That was a Saturday uh, about noontime and by that afternoon, we had all the approvals we needed, and sure. Sunday morning, the next morning, we had a crew out there replacing the pipe so we could get the fire suppression system back up and so running. So he wants to be a servant leader, he doesn't know how. 
Yeah. But he's learning. Yeah, he's learning. So your your efforts in, in the city, that that's my story of where it's paid off, you know. Yeah, and yeah. it's getting someone at that level to respond on a Saturday, let alone I get I have a cell phone number, but to respond on a Saturday and help us out. It, it it was pretty good. So keep up the good work because you're yeah, you're making a difference that. there. Yeah. What's give give our listeners one idea that they could take with them about how to create better relationships with the people they deal with in and out every day. We have a, a breakfast, a general breakfast meeting, buffet for everybody that comes. We usually have two or three hundred people. Like when you were a speaker, we have a, we have a guest speaker. But I think the thing that uh, brings them back every month now. I have to admit, I'm not just flattering you. When you sign on the, to talk, the room fills up. Mm-hmm. But not every speaker Thank we get, while they are great mm-hmm. in their niche, they're not art. They're just not you. And But we teach them how to do a 17-second elevator speech. Right, exactly. Yep. It is amazing how many people cannot tell you what they do. And then if they can tell you what they do and the person gets all done listening, they say, well, what is that? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Or how does mm-hmm. that And the thing that's surprising to me was what people name their companies. We put out a business directory, which is an alphabetical listing of companies. One of the largest PR firms in the state of California is a member. So they would be listed under PR firms. Mm-hmm. No. They want to be under consultants. Right. So people looking for PR firms would go to consultants. I said, people who aren't smart enough to think of consultants are going to go to PR firms. If you're not listed, you don't get a call. Oh, why don't you put you in both places? Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a company that makes millions of dollars. They never thought of that. So teaching people how to be able to tell their story, and we use 17 seconds, which is the time it takes for you to push the elevator button and the actual ride, and then the door is open and you get out. It's uh-huh. 15, 20 seconds. And yep. you're done. But a lot of people can't make the 17-second speech because they're like me. They talk forever. So getting me to talk smaller than ever is very difficult. So we teach them that. Second thing is we teach them to get along with each other. If you're a dry cleaner operator and and I'm a dry cleaner, we're both in the chamber, there's obviously we're competitors and we cannot ever be friends. I look at it differently. I say the best way to learn how to do something is make your opponent's problems are. Let them create all the problems and successes they want. Take the successes, leave the problems. Mm-hmm. Because you can learn from all the money and time and effort they've spent. So getting them to be able to ask a question. It's amazing how many people's egos don't allow them to ask a question. I'll accept any job, and I have in my whole life, but I'll find the person. I will set up with Ernest to find the person that I can have access to that does that job better than anybody I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And get them on the phone and say, do you have, a t- you have an hour with me to tell me how you do your job? It's amazing what people... You ask a person for an hour to sell them a pair of shoes, they have no time. You ask them for an hour to spare what their story is with you, they give you two. Mm-hmm. Because they're happy to ask. No one does. Right, right. They always want money or favors. They never ask for the advice. And a lot of people just like to tell their story. And their stories are very valuable. And you can tell them a lot of pitfalls and problems that don't work. But for First Friday, which is the first Friday of every month, um, the hardest part for us is to find quality speakers. You're mm-hmm. an exception. There's three or four that are exceptional speakers, but most of them are book authors and people that have just come out mm-hmm. into the public with a theory. Or, <clears throat> But to, to reward them 
for their attendance is to help them better their company, help them better themselves. So it's a little bit of we tip, a little bit of Toastmasters, a little bit of mm-hmm. right. uh, pride right. in yourself, yep, and a lot of getting over fear. Yep. And if you can't tell people what you do, you cannot sell your service to anybody. Right. It's just, I don't think it's impossible to do that. What I love what you guys do is you guys assign seats. Yep. So it takes away that, okay, who am I going to sit with? Okay, I want to sit by the door so I can leave early. And <coughs> you, you have, have a table you go to and you sit. And what's amazing, I've been, I've been to three First Friday breakfasts. Um, one that I spoke out, and the other two I didn't. Um, and I always meet some of the most intriguing people that are sitting around your table having breakfast with you. And, and they have a facilitator at every table yeah. that leads the discussion. Yeah. It's, art's not telling the whole story. People, Art has a good time with these because it, even when he gave his speech, he was selling his books. There was a line of people waiting for his autograph in the books. There are, there are people like you that they just want to be able to say they met you. It's kind of like the various buzzwords and phrases and slogans and things we make up. I heard one on the TV the, the other day. It was a famous uh, athlete who said <clears throat> about how you should have the will to win, overcome. And he said, "You lose. You don't." He, his comment was, "You miss. You miss 100% of all the shots you don't take." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so all these opportunities. I always say, opportunity knocks more than once. You have to be home to answer the door. Because people think, "Well, I missed my chance." No, I no. think you miss your chance on purpose. That wasn't the best chance for you. Uh, if you believe in a super being, which I believe in a higher authority, there's other chances. You just have to be prepared to accept them and want yep. to walk the walk yep. and talk yep. the talk and walk down the path. Exactly. And being respectful, being appreciative, and being helpful to others. If for every volunteer story I tell or person I help, I get tenfold back. Mm-hmm. You cannot imagine what's happened to me since I've tried to help people. It is amazing, isn't it? <laughs> it's and, it's and, just like and, found money. Mm-hmm. People, they, well, first of all, they think you're a wise person. I don't know why they'd ever think of that about me. If you're telling people things and they're listening to you, they think you know what the hell you're talking about. It's like my mother used to say, even if you don't know what you're talking about, you should always look good on the court. So I buy very expensive clothes. Mm-hmm. I have no children. That's the reason why. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to buy any cars for kids uh, or anything. But, uh, well, you guys have an amazing chamber. Um, you guys do a, a small business awards, and what amazed me is always sells out. And I know we have one on the 18th of this month, the state of the city. Yeah, I can't go. I I've know, got a meeting that day. So, yeah, about that. Uh, we have 525 people uh, to come and listen to the mayor and the city council. We give out some awards there now. Which when I first came here, it was a it was a luncheon thing. It had about 100 people, and they had breakout sessions. Mm-hmm. Who wants to go sit and talk to the planning director for an hour? Yeah. Well, if you're looking to go through the planning department, maybe, but I'm not going to fill up a room in the breakout session with some guy whose life is really boring because it's a planning role. He likes it. He does a good job. Mm-hmm. So we made it a, a luncheon where just one speaker, the mayor and the council does their talking on the video. Mm-hmm. And the mayor makes a live speech. But now we give out the Starfish Award. Yes, that's right. Uh, yep. The U.S. Chamber gives an award. There's a few of those. But our small business, you mentioned our small business awards, because our members are generally small business. Our annual meeting is our big meeting of the year. It's a dinner, it's really elaborate. You've been to it a number of times. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
and we give out 10 awards there, but only one of them is for small business. But 90% of my members are small business. Mm -hmm. So now every year, this will be our third year, we do a small business recognition luncheon where we only honor small businesses. So the big boys, Daytron's not gonna get an award there. Yeah. He could be a speaker there, but he's not gonna get an award yeah. there. And he can sponsor and bring small businesses there. But, uh, so we have 10 awards there, and they focus on what you can teach others what you did. Mm -hmm. So how did you get financed? The best financing program, the quickest, the best. What do you think your leadership does for the community in which you live? Things like that. So they're being honored for what they do in the total atmosphere of working in business. Because you have to give back as much as you get in order to break even. But if more you give, the more you get, so you don't. You always come out ahead. Yeah. And, and it's like not always... And like like you said, Ted, you invest in the businesses, and they and they give back an they unbelievable do. amount. And that's what's so neat about the chamber is I, I think the chamber really believes they can do more together as a unit than they can as individual businesses. Correct. Right? Yeah. And so that's that's real special. So, Ted, thank you for stopping by and joining us today. We really enjoyed the talk with you. Um, well, you're a very you, good listener. Anything you want to leave uh, our listeners with? Uh, any special thought? I think the special thought is uh, be prepared for the uh, experience every day. When you, my dad used to say, you know you're going to have a great day when you get up in the morning, you look in the mirror in the bathroom and you're looking back. You see yourself. Mm -hmm. That's always important. But I think uh, if you start every day with wondering what you can do for others, you're going to be more successful than you could ever be in a million years. If you look at your calendar and there's nothing on it, you can spend all day helping somebody else. Yep. And when's the last time either of us, any of the three of us, picked up the phone and called somebody and said, how are you doing today? Exactly. And we didn't want something. Exactly. Right. Well, like you call if you want to get the pie fixed. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. But yeah. I call people generally not as often as I should. I did that with the mayor. I said, just let's get together and have a cup of coffee. And first thing I asked you is, what can I do for you? I said, nothing. I just want to sit and talk. That, yeah, that's see, it. That's so you rare. Know? Yeah. And but it reinforces his uh, efforts in the community because the mayor is a part-time role. He can have a job as well as, so they have two 40-hour-a-week jobs. Yeah. But I think if you prepare yourself to get in the habit of of uh, helping others, it does become a habit and it's second nature. And it takes time. You They don't always conveniently want you to help them. Uh, but sometimes you have to guide them down the road <laughs> to the right mm -hmm. direction. Yeah, yeah. All right, everybody. Uh, Ted Owens, uh, CEO of the Carlsbad Chamber uh, here in San Diego, California. Ted, again, thank you so much for uh, adding value to our listeners today. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you for inviting me. I was honored to be here. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank Goodbye, you. everybody. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And for more information on the Servant Leadership Institute, visit us on our website. That's www.servantleadershipinstitute.com. And registration is now open for our 2018 Servant Leadership Conference titled Shift into Drive. On stage, we have the pleasure of having presentations by our founder, Art Barter, as well as Mark Miller, VP of Training and Development for Chick-fil-A. Returning from last year, we have Vicki Clark and also Ken Blanchard, with more speakers to be announced soon. The conference will be held at the Marriott Marquis in San Diego, California, February 19th and 20th with a complimentary networking event February 18th. And you can also subscribe now to receive our weekly tips by going onto our website. 
These are great short tips that are intended to challenge and motivate you while you are going through your servant leadership journey. And finally, we would love you to grab a copy of our latest publication, The Servant Leadership Journal, written by SLI founder and CEO Art Barter. This is an 18-week journey to transform you and your organization, available now on our website and on Amazon.com. Thank you for listening and allowing us to add value to your day. 